1: The number is 877 You know, I try and think about events that are taking place and swirling around us to put some context and perspective on them. Sometimes you can't, but sometimes you can. There's so much to discuss today, and we'll get to most of it. Three-hour show really needs to be five hours. But you look at what was taking place on Martha's Vineyard. Now, I don't know what anybody else is saying about this. I've been busy working today on a number of projects, but the main project is this one, my radio show. First of all, Barack Obama is living in a $12 million mansion or Martha's Vineyard. He chooses not to live among the people he claims to have the greatest concern about. And he's got multiple mansions. He lives in the lap of luxury. He didn't actually produce anything. He didn't actually create anything. He has sold his image, his brand. as a former president of the United States, as has Michelle Obama as the former first lady of the United States. When you look at his presidency, he accomplished very little, even from a historic perspective. He was a man born of an interracial marriage who could have done such tremendous good for this country from a, from a racial perspective from a unity perspective, and he chose a different route. He chose a different route. He left the country much worse off than his administration inherited, despite all the propaganda and static. Extraordinarily divided, in deep debt, with Americans at each other's throats. And he created the atmosphere and the environment that was used against President Trump to try and destroy him and Trump's supporters and much of the Republican Party. So Barack Obama is an extraordinarily wealthy man whether it's Netflix or his book deals or other movie deals or what have you. He doesn't do much. He lives like a king. Michelle Obama lives like a queen. Now that would be okay, seriously. But at the same time they claim to be down for the revolution. In other words, they live like monarchs. They live like monarchs, but they claim to be down for the revolution. I've been thinking about this. You look at the uh, at the last of the French monarchies; it ended in a very ugly way. They were decapitated by the French revolutionaries. And the French Revolution was based on, essentially, the ideology of a man named Rousseau. Rousseau. Who's Rousseau? We don't teach this anymore. Rousseau predated Marx. And in many respects, he predated Hegel. Marx studied Rousseau, and he studied Hegel. He borrowed heavily from both and then put his own twist on what would later become Marxism. Now that said, not to get too deep here, Rousseau believed that the individual could only fully realize his or her self by abandoning self and surrendering self to the communal. that is, to a force bigger than the individual. That individuals should not go their own way because they undermine the best interests of the communal. Rousseau struggled with his own mental illness. He was a brilliant man. And yet he was able to explained this ideology in a way that conveyed that he was really providing a model for the public, for the people, for the masses. In other words, surrender your liberty, surrender your individuality so you can be part of something bigger and better. Doesn't that sound familiar? You can really have a a people's society that way. There is this this built-in contradiction in these ideologies, whether it's Rousseau, Hegel, Marx, and so forth, which is they really are preaching totalitarianism, but in the name of the people. So I think about this when I watch what the Obamas were doing and the Daily Mail was there, boy, I'll tell you what, with the photos... The food, the drinks, the pot smoking in some aspects. This thing went on for three days in one respect or another, celebrating Barack Obama's 60th birthday. I'm sure there'll be a national holiday following. One of these days. And I said, what is the difference between these old monarchs that were overthrown by these revolutions and this modern monarch the Obamas. And the difference is these modern monarchs who live like the old monarchs, they claim to be the revolutionaries. That is, they hold on to power, they hold on to fame, they hold on to fortune, they hold on to special privilege, yet they claim to be the revolutionaries against the system. And the more the system crumbles, the more decrepit it becomes, the more powerful they become. It's really a brilliant and sinister model, isn't it? Now many of you have asked me, who've called in and said, what's in it for the Obamas? And, uh, that's what's in it. They benefit like few other people on the entire planet from a system they claim is corrupt and discriminates and is unequal. So, at one side of their mouth, they're the greatest beneficiaries of the system, period. On the other side of their mouth, they're revolutionaries, the greatest critics of the system. That way, they not only attract these so-called revolutionaries, they keep them at bay. And it's not just them. You can see it with LeBron James. You can see it with the Clintons, with Al Gore, Kerry, all the rest of them. These are the monarchs. These are the nobles. This is who they are. This is who they are. This is American Marxism. You're witnessing it. And Obama didn't realize it, but his party for his 60th birthday, or Martha's Vineyard, crystallizes all this. He's got multi-million-dollar mansions all over the place, and none of them, none of them were in black neighborhoods. Not one of them. Like LeBron James's mansions, not one of them. It's like Black Lives Matter. At least one of the founders is now a multimillionaire, probably more than one. And yet they say they're, they're thoroughly trained in Marxism. Well, where are they today? There's murder. There's mayhem in the cities. Where's Black Lives Matter? They're not standing up and defending the black people in this country. No. Because they're part of the, of the noble class. Everybody wants to be part of the noble class. From corporate boardrooms. Corporate boardrooms and athletes. Politicians, they all want to be part of the noble class. And think of how easy it is. I mean, the monarchs were defending monarchy. The modern monarchs, the American Marxists, They don't have to defend anything. They live the lives of monarchs while preaching revolution against whom? The middle class of America. That's who they're preaching revolution against, quite frankly. Because the middle class of America proves Marxism fraudulent. The phrase middle class is not mine. That's a Marxist phrase, but it's in the nomenclature now, so I have to use it, otherwise I'll be talking, uh, you know, Greek to people. So, the point is, the great middle class of America was never supposed to exist. It came out of the Industrial Revolution, which was supposed to be a revolution that would lead to a communist revolution. But the opposite happened. It created a, a mass of people. Who would become quite well off. Better off than virtually any human beings that ever walked the globe before them. And you had this middle class that could live with the so-called upper class. You had a lower class that could move to the middle class. Nobody was stopping them. Fantastic system. This market system. A fantastic system. So we have now this American Marxism that tries it a different way, which is why I call it American Marxism. So you can have Obama and all the others, the Hollywood elite, other people who have climbed the ladder, clawed their way up. You scratch your head and say, well, how can they hate our country so much? They love what they can get out of the country. They love what they can get out of the country. And they trash the country. Because they need to be down with the revolution. That's how they became famous. That's how they became wealthy. That's how they expect to hold on to what they have. And they don't give a damn if the middle class is trashed, is undermined, is brutalized. It has no effect on them. None. They need the turmoil. They need to stir the pot. They need to claim we're progressing. We're moving forward. We're making investments. That's what you witnessed on Martha's Vineyard. They were eating food I've never heard of before. They were drinking drinks I never heard of before. Now I have to admit, I live in my own culture, you know. But they didn't cut any corners over there. And then after all that, they come back and they preach against success, that we need to raise taxes, we need to redistribute wealth, that we're a racist society. This is a very diabolical and evil movement, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you who've read American Marxism, you're learning all about it. I think I've exposed it better more thoroughly than than most you'll be the judge of that i'll be right back in today's digital age where cyber threats loom larger than ever safeguarding your personal information is paramount so why is congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks Much has been said, of course, about Joe Biden's appointees, how many minorities he's chosen, how many women he's chosen, gay people, LGBTQ people, the great diversity in his administration. But there's no diversity in his administration. None. Unless you're fixated with physical appearances and genitalia and what people do with their genitalia, When it comes to what's between somebody's ears, there's no diversity at all. None. There's nobody. Nobody who is an aggressive supporter of capitalism. There's nobody who believes in secure the border. There's nobody who believes in the laws of economics. There's nobody who believes that America is a magnificent, diverse society as opposed to a racist society there's no diversity in the Biden administration, none whatsoever. Unless you allow the press and the Democrat party and their ilk to focus you on things that are inconsequential when it comes to actual policies that affect your lives regardless of your background, your race, your religion, or your geography. They're pushing a radical agenda promoted by these various Marxist movements. That's exactly what they're doing. And they have no intention of living under the iron fist that they are creating for you. None whatsoever. Barack and Michelle Obama just demonstrated that over the weekend. More when I return.
0: The Establishment's Worst Nightmare. Mark Levin. Call in now. 877-381-3811.
1: There are more murders of African Americans and minorities in Chicago this weekend. Thirteen, I believe. Right, Mr. Producer? Than any police officer ever killed. And I want to talk soon about a young police officer who was murdered and whose partner is hanging on by a thread. Just look at the, the human destruction taking place. Look at the human destruction taking place. Where's Al Sharpton? Is he going into these communities as a peacemaker? Where's the lawyer? What is his name, Mr. Producer? I can't remember. He shows up everywhere. No, the civil rights lawyer. Where is he? He never shows up. Crump, where's Crump? Nowhere. Where's the speech from the Obamas about all the slaughter that's taking place in the inner cities? They're not giving a speech. Stacey Abrams, not a word. Nothing. And yet, look at the slaughter taking place particularly black-on-black murder. Murder. Thousands. Thousands. And look what was done to our police departments. Because of one officer convicted of of killing George Floyd. And I don't I don't make light of that, and I never have made light of that. It's not my point. Look at the carnage that's going on today. They don't have police officers to point to. And they won't look in the mirror, these so-called public leaders. No public service announcement from the Obamas. Nothing from anybody. Nobody. Nobody. Then there's this piece in the Daily Wire. Former President Barack Obama dialed back his planned 700-person birthday dash. Yeah, right, to what, 500? Obama's using his birthday to raise funds for his planned presidential center. Not presidential library and foundation, a presidential center, because monarchs need such a thing. A monument to the man and his legacy that is scheduled to break ground as soon as this month on prime parkland in Chicago. Critics say the project has brazenly violated the policies and philosophies that Obama spent his presidency pushing on others in ways that will permanently harm the environment and the city of Chicago. Obama wants to cut down nearly 800 trees and erect four buildings on nearly 20 acres inside Chicago's Jackson Park, which is on the National Register of Historic Places and includes waterways connecting to Lake Michigan. He wants to build a palace to himself, you see. The proposed buildings include a 235 foot museum tower, a conference center, an athletic center, a library, and a 400 car garage. Though former presidents often create presidential libraries, this is not a library because it is far more elaborate than what is permitted under regulations governing presidential libraries. Now, he hasn't been criticized once by the national media. In fact, they haven't even gone to the location where they're going to break ground in this. City Park, Jackson Park. You hear nothing about this, not a word, except from the Daily Wire. A group of Chicago residents concerned about the natural environmental environment called Protect Our Park has taken to the courts to attempt to stop the planned groundbreaking on August 16, represented by lawyer and professor Richard Epstein. Judges have so far ruled against them. Well, of course, it's Obama. It's Obama. Obama and the Obama Foundation do not own the public park, yet Chicago, which has massive pension debt and impoverished tax base, agreed to essentially give the land to the private group in the form of a 99-year, quote, land use agreement for a sum of $10. $10. Epstein estimates the value of the land at $200 million. Until 2019, Chicago's mayor was Rahm Emanuel, who served as Obama's chief of staff. The monarchy and the nobles. Regular people in Chicago will face significant hardship as a result. Major thoroughfares will have to be closed during construction. Other roads will have to be reconfigured at a cost of $175 million. Commuter traffic redirected near residential neighborhoods. What happened to uh, environmental justice? The Obama Foundation had assets of nearly half a billion dollars in 2019, according to tax filings. Chicago is no shortage of overwhelmingly black, economically depressed areas that the first pre- black president could invigorate by buying affordable land there and building his elaborate property. This is what I'm saying. It's amazing. Epstein and his group has identified a 10-acre site nearby that would be superior in every relevant respect in poor neighborhood well served by mass transit. But Obama has been dead set on building in the prestigious Tony he has been dead set on building in the prestigious Tony Lakeside area, the Chicago equivalent of Martha's Vineyard, where he also owns a home. King Barack Obama down for the revolution. Now while he's doing that, this is the play. This is how it works. Michelle Obama has teamed up with Stacey Abrams to tell you that what the Republicans are trying to do on the vote is is dangerous it's to take the vote away from minorities and black people you see how it works you see how it works cut 24 mr. producer go
2: in 2020 during a global pandemic you showed up from protests to the polls Together, we show the world our power. But we're not done yet. Our democracy and our vote, the very foundation of this nation, and the most powerful tools we have as citizens, are under attack.
1: Yeah, it's so hard for people to vote. You basically have to get off your ass on election day, go to your precinct, show a photo ID and vote. We got men and women in this country fighting for this country overseas. We have men and women in this country, we call them police officers who are under attack, but trying to protect us. We have men and women in this country who do back-breaking work every single day, but apparently it's too much to ask people to go to a local precinct, maybe a church or a school, and vote. It's too much to ask them to have a voter ID. Now, nobody believes this. And what you will hear during this minute and 40-second propaganda public service announcement is not a single example of how people are being prevented from voting. Go ahead. Legislation
2: is being proposed across the country that limits the freedom to vote, cast our ballots, and have our votes counted. Many of these proposals would disproportionately impact black, Why?
1: brown, Why? Young- Why? Why? How? Where? How? Where? How? Why? I mean, if, if the bar is you should be able to vote... 40 days before the election, and the states saying no, nine days before the election, you see, that according to Obama and Abrams is restricting and repressing the right to vote. If you're saying you have to sign your absentee ballot so we can compare the signatures, that according to Obama and Abrams is restricting the vote, particularly among blacks and browns for some reason. If you're telling people they have to have a valid voter ID, an ID, an identification, which you need for every damn other thing, Maybe you need your vaccine passport, huh? In any way, that, they say, is voter suppression. They're making it harder to vote, don't you know? And the media are there right with them. Go ahead. Class voters
2: and voters with disabilities. They're counting on us to stop paying attention. They're counting
1: on us to be quiet.
2: But they must not know.
1: And that is Martha Vineyard's Michelle right there. She's down for the revolution, don't you see? Down for the revolution. And on the weekends, she's up for parting at Martha's Vineyard. She's a fraud. He's a fraud. Abrams is a fraud. They're all frauds. The way they abuse people, the way they pull at their emotional strings, the lies that they tell. And they know they will be celebrated by their media friends. Who also like going to those parties, by the way. Who also like being in the in crowd, by the way. Because they, you see, are also part of the monarchy. The academic year is underway for many, many students. In the high school, and now beginning in colleges, universities, law schools, medical schools. please. Give a copy of American Marxism to a child in your family, grandchild, who is going into these institutions. They are going to be barraged each and every day. The textbooks are going to be unbelievably hateful and anti-American. Give them a chance. In addition to your wise words, give them a chance. So when they're in their dorms, or in their sororities, or in their fraternities, or off-campus, wherever they are, they will have an opportunity to acquire knowledge that they can bring onto the college campus, into the college classroom, onto the public school campus, into the public school classroom. It's all laid out. The hard work's been done in American Marxism. And we have our jobs too, ladies and gentlemen. We really do. I am invigorated by the fact that there's so many of you who are jumping in. But still, 700, what will it be? Give or take, 730, 40, 50,000 by the end of the week. There's 320 million of us. We need to be voices, the Paul Revere's in every diner, every, every place we can possibly be in advancing this cause of liberty, in taking on these various American Marxist movements. You are a fantastic people. Don't let anybody ever put you down. It's time, it's time to stand up for our country, to stand up for our children in the future. They're chewing up this republic, and enough is enough. You can go to Amazon.com or any major retailers. you know by now. I'll be right back. Love Levin. let me say this about vaccines and masks and so forth there's confusion because the Democrats have caused confusion starting with Donald Trump's presidency where they trashed his seminal efforts to get vaccines raised cynicism and doubts particularly in minority communities That's what the Democrat Party did. That's what Biden did. That's what Harris did. And the remnants of that campaign by Biden, Harris, and the Democrats are still with us. That's number one. Number two, Anthony Fauci is a disaster. And he's been a disaster a long time. Ask the, the, uh, the, the gay community, or at least some of the activist leaders in that community, when it came to HIV. He is a stubborn old man. He doesn't open his mind to other experts or anything of the sort. And he has knowingly misled the American people on several occasions, whether it's been masks early on, whether it's the Wuhan lab, whether it's his own agency's funding, washed through another group, a non-profit group of the Wuhan lab. Absolute cover-up. He kept his mouth shut, never said a word. Now he knew what he did, he knew what his agency had done, And when he's questioned about it, he runs to his friends in the media who give him absolute cover and never ask him any serious questions. And he's at it again today. No, little kids don't need masks in elementary school, period. There's not a shred of science to support this, nothing. So when you do these things, when you have actual science with respect to other aspects of this pandemic, people are turned off. They don't trust you. They don't trust their government. And when Joe Biden turns this into politics, attacking individual governors, while at the same time the borders wide open with people, foreigners, coming into this country. God knows how many have this, this virus. People aren't going to believe him. They're not going to believe him. Today, you can't get the statistics on how many people in this country are essentially immune from the underlying virus. Because of natural antibodies. We don't have a number. But they keep telling everybody to go out and get vaccinated. Well, those people are immune more effectively than a vaccination. We know how many people have been vaccinated. 170 170 million or so Americans. Now there's, what, 80, 90 million children? For them to be vaccinated would be an act of medical malpractice because we don't have data, we don't have statistics on the consequences of vaccinating a (coughs) seven-year-old. So a lot of this is the fault of the FDA. A lot of this is the fault of the CDC. A lot of it's the fault of Fauci in particular. And Biden's so unserious about it, he appoints a a slip-and-fall radical left-wing lawyer to to head Health and Human Services and he still hasn't nominated a single person to head the FDA. Not one. So you have to take responsibility for your own lives and your own family's lives. I received the vaccination. I went and got it, J&J. My wife did. All my family members have. One has maladies, but now approved, and she's getting it too. You'll make decisions for yourself. But what I'm saying is the federal government has made a mess of things, and the Democrats in particular have been absolutely disastrous when it's come to actual statistics and useful advice.
0: He's here. He's here.
1: For Dr. Anthony Fauci and the Massive FDA, CDC, Infectious Disease, HHS bureaucracy. I have a question. This Delta variant on the coronavirus first appeared and was first identified in India in December 2020. Over eight months ago, spread to 85 countries. Now it's in the United States in all 50 states. is calling to uh, manderson.org, one of the great hospitals in America. This one's in Houston. So I have a question, ladies and gentlemen. During the vast majority of this time, Joe Biden has been President of the United States. Dr. Fauci, every minute of every day, of every week, of every month of this time, Has been in charge of America's infectious diseases operation. What did they do to confront this or address this? Just tell people to wear masks? Is that why we have this massive bureaucracy? You're seeing the difference between a Donald Trump presidency and a Joe Biden presidency. This coronavirus hits the United States cold and hard. There's no PPE. Because Obama didn't leave any. I guess he was planning his presidential, not library, what is it called? Empire. There's not enough ventilators, the governors are saying. There's absolutely no therapeutic. No testing. The FDA brought out old tests. They didn't work. And certainly no vaccine. And starting with nothing, nothing whatsoever. Nothing whatsoever. Three or four days after the general election, Pfizer announces it has a vaccine. A few days after that, Moderna announces it has a vaccine. Several weeks later, maybe a couple months later, Johnson & Johnson announces it has a vaccine. Joe Biden becomes president on January 20th at noon and in one second. Fauci's been there. He promotes Fauci. Fauci is the greatest of the greatest. I mean, after all, Biden's known him for half a century. They've both been in Washington half a century. They get rid of all the Trump guys who made all this possible. Meanwhile, this Delta India variant virus is known. It's highly contagious. It's in India, and it's spreading fast. Fast. I'll be the first to ask. All right, backbenchers, get ready. I'll be the first to ask. What exactly did Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, what did the, the medical and science federal bureaucrats do about it? What did they do? In fact, what are they doing other than telling people to wear a mask? I mean, what is this? Back to square one? Where every day is Halloween, we're all wearing masks? No, I wear masks, I must tell you. I'm I'm not a tough guy against a pandemic. I don't believe in that. What I have a problem with is the iron fist of government. Destroying businesses, destroying jobs, incompetent as hell. Stealing people's property rights spending us into oblivion. You can support being vaccinated and even wearing masks under right circumstances and oppose what this government's doing because what this government's doing is unacceptable. Unacceptable. And the more incompetent they are, the tighter their hands around the neck of this republic. That's without a doubt. But I asked a very specific question. This Delta virus didn't hit three weeks ago. The world has known about it for over eight months. Starting in India, which I might add borders China. Gee, how about that? How about that? Don't question China. Don't question the Wuhan lab. This was their position. Whether they're doing biological research, no way. It's the Chinese government. They're so nice. Half these scientists and their institutions are all bought off and paid off. Or they want to be bought off and paid off. Like these phony professional athletes and these phony corporatists. But I am quite serious about this. Republicans in the Senate, Republicans in the House, those who will run to their computers and issue FOIAs, I'm all for it. What exactly did the Biden administration do for the last seven months? when it came to the Delta variant, other than keep beating up on the American people to wear masks. They didn't do a damn thing that's effective. Nothing. Because you have this fraud, fool, buffoon in the Oval Office. Whereas before we had a go-getter, a successful businessman, a man who wouldn't take no for an answer. Do you think if Donald Trump were in the Oval Office today, he'd just be sitting back telling people to wear masks? Wear a mask, wear a mask, wear a mask. And every death resulting from this variant, and there aren't many, by the way. Hello, hello, there are not many. Every variant from this death, the Democrats would be be saying it's on Trump's hands. And the fact that Trump didn't have yet another vaccine to deal with the the Delta variant, that's Trump. And Trump failed us again. You can hear these clowns in the media, these jackasses. They dare not answer Fauci. It's not like they don't have access to him. The man won't come on this program anymore. They'll never ask him the question I just asked. Never. Never. What the hell have you been doing the last eight months, Fauci? You, the FDA, the CDC, HHS, the Umbrella Cabinet Department. What have you been doing on the Delta variant? Trump was giving capital investments as quickly as he could to the major pharmaceutical companies. His people were already developing plans to distribute them when they had them. He told the American people these vaccines are coming very, very soon. He was attacked, 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 and attacked. For what? And we have these therapeutics now that nobody ever talks about. My buddy Sean Hannity has become a quasi-expert on it. Like the uh, MMA. He's a quasi-expert on that too, right, Mr. Producer? Anyway... Sean has studied this. He's talked to all the experts on these therapeutics. He knows what he's talking about. I don't. But it doesn't matter. The professional medical community, I'm not talking about bureaucrats, the professional medical community now have access to these therapeutics. They didn't exist before. Look at all the the production and inventions and creativity that took place during the Trump administration. You hear nothing during the Biden administration except, hey, wear masks. I'm telling you, you better wear a mask or you can't eat. It's just like at the beginning when Fauci was caught without any response to this virus. Don't wear masks and then wear masks. Two masks While you're at it, you might want to wear goggles and stay home and hide under the table. Don't have any relations with your spouse. And as a matter of fact, don't even talk to another member of your family. Don't go outside. You know, stupid stuff like throw back to, uh, speaking of Neanderthal days, there you are. Stay in your cave. Stay in your cave. And, of course, the Democrats exploited it. You're not stupid. You see it. Trillions and trillions of dollars to their cause. Trillions and trillions of dollars to their base. Trillions and trillions of dollars to advance their radical policies. Trillions and trillions of dollars in debt. And they did exactly what with this money? Next to nothing useful or productive. It's gone. So we need more. So we need to build our massive welfare state into the most massive welfare state imaginable. And we got 17 repubics who went with them. 17. And they twist the logic and the reason. Oh, we've done this because we're the real conservatives. We want to nail down roads and bridges. Hey, jackasses, have you noticed inflation? People aren't going to be able to afford to drive on those roads and in those tunnels. No matter. No matter. Just as you would in other aspects of your life. You're going to have to shut off your TVs and a lot of these people. Consult with your own doctor and use your brain and draw your own conclusion. The vast majority of us don't run away from vaccines. It was developed during the Trump administration by top pharmaceutical companies. They've been used all over the world. And they work. If not in every instance, they work better than flu vaccines work. Bigger percentage. If you have a malady where this could cause death or, or serious illness, well then of course if your doctor advises you, don't use it. If you already have natural immunity, it's my understanding you don't need them. Got it. But will the government tell us how many people have now reached natural immunity or herd immunity? Excuse me. I can't find the statistics. Will the government tell us how many people have died from the Delta variant? Very, very few. So rather than trying to freak people out so you can expand this massive government, trillions more in spending, controlling Landlords, controlling gyms, controlling churches. We don't trust you anymore. We don't trust you with our liberty anymore. Just give us the facts. Give us the information. That's what you do in a republic. We'll make smarter decisions than Barack and Michelle Obama did at Martha's Vineyard. What makes smarter decisions than most of these governors who have a particularly ruthless iron fist when it comes to their populations that they view as servants when they go off on boats, planes, restaurants, and all the rest? I'll be right back. Mark
3: lovin.
1: Honestly, folks, I've been dreading this. Ella French, beautiful 29-year-old woman, brand-new mother, police officer, and her partner were called to a scene to check an automobile. This is one of the most dangerous things police officers do. They don't know who's there. Her partner went around to the passenger side, as I understand it. She went around to the driver's side. And they were both shot at point-blank range. Two men and a woman are now in custody by the man sitting apparently in the, allegedly in the back seat. Here's the police department scanner in Chicago. Cut 21, go. Mel Black, Blue, what you got?
0: Blue! Blue! sit down! I got an officer down, 10 in bail, officer down, officer down, shot fired at the police, officer down, Mel Black, a Blue Cubs jersey, he's a shot at the police, 6-3 in bail, give me some units. 7-1-3. Stay off my air, stay off my air, everybody stay off the air, I got an officer down, 6-3 in bail, start rolling. I got an officer down, six three in Bell. Officer shot, officer shot, officer down, six three in Bell. Give me some units. I want a perimeter set up at the location. Looking for a male black and a blue cuff shirt, a blue cuff shirt with a male black. Perimeter set up two blocks east north. And wearing all black. Okay, I got a all black. Where is this Give me two ambulances. Two ambulances needed for so two male, two officers down, two officers down. Seven six three seven, Adam. 10-4, We got them coming. Six one, boy. Get those officers right, the corner
1: 6-3 and Bell. I want to remember to set up three blocks north. Oh boy, I tell you, if that doesn't bring tears to your eyes, nothing will. Both those officers were shot at point-blank range in the head. Ella French died on the scene, shot in the head I believe twice. The other officer, as I speak, is in a severely critical condition. As I read this, shot several times, including through the eye, which means in the head as well. It's my understanding, Mr. Producer, I believe it's yours too, that all three suspects have been, uh, been rounded up, correct? Uh, the one officer on the passenger side, again, it's early reporting, could change. He fired back, <clears throat> injuring the suspect in the back of the car. Apparently, the suspect dropped his gun. So, I suppose that helped them uh, track them down. He also apparently bought the gun through a straw man. Again, this is early reporting. Uh, That individual will also be charged with murder, an attempted murder. And um, I'm going to tell you something. I want you to listen to this Corey Bush on CNN yesterday. Cut 22, go.
2: So I know you've seen that Republicans are pointing to the fact that you said you have your own security, but almost in the See, same way. See, here's the
1: problem with the media. It's always a political game. Dana Bash is a fraud and a phony and a fake. They all are. They all are. This is about Republicans accusing you of this, that, and there. Why is Cori Bush on CNN on Sunday? When she is a piece of crap who hates this country, who hates her fellow man. And I might add St. Louis, she's contributing to the murders that are taking place in our inner cities. Cori Bush, from a policy perspective, has blood on her hands. No, she hasn't done it herself. You understand my point. She's putting pressure on these police departments to be defunded. So if we had sent social service personnel to that stop in Chicago, what do you think would have happened to them? Do you think those three passengers would say, yes, please, I need counseling? This is a phony, manufactured option that the hate police crowd put in place but if you hate the cops, if you hate law enforcement as an institution, then you support murder and that's what you're saying Go ahead
2: Funding the police. Now, I do want to emphasize I understand you have security protection because you have received multiple death threats but the clip Okay, that I was-
1: I've received multiple death threats and I don't have security protection nor do I call for defunding of the police Go ahead
2: attack ads. Actually, we're has-
1: going to stop here. I misread the clock. We're going to continue this after the bottom of the hour. Please don't leave. I'll be right back. Yeah!
0: The Mark Levin Show, live and national at 877-381-3811.
1: So where's Black Lives Matter today? Don't Black Lives Matter? Where is this fraudulent, phony Marxist organization today? People are being slaughtered in the streets. People need protection. Cory Bush and her demand to defund the police departments is getting people killed. She's not standing up for black people. She's not standing up for poor people. She's standing on their throats. Why is it that nobody in the media or nobody in politics has the guts to stand up to her and tell her exactly what I just did? You defund the police, you support the murders. Because there's nobody to stop them. Just listen to the police chief, most of whom are African Americans. Cori Bush is protected. She's part of the noble class. I don't care what race you are. You see, Cori Bush isn't down for her community. She's down for the revolution. She's critical race theory. She's not about school choice in her community. She's not about stepping up law enforcement to protect the children in her community. She's not about bringing jobs to her community through free enterprise and market systems. No, 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 no. She's an ideologue. She's a Marxist. So all these things that work or could work, she will object to and reject. So let's listen again to the to the moronic question that Dana Bash of CNN asked. But let's listen to the response. Cut twenty two. Go.
2: So I know you've seen that Republicans are pointing to the fact that you said you have your own security while almost in the same breath advocating for defunding the police. Now, I do want to emphasize, I understand you have security protection because you have received multiple death threats. But the clip that I just played is being used in attack ads against not not you, but not just you, but other Democrats. So could those comments end up being harmful to your fellow Democrats, politically speaking?
1: No, no, stop there. So it's all about politics to CNN and Dana Bash. She doesn't demonstrate a scintilla of compassion for the people who are being slaughtered in in these communities. Not a scintilla. She's all about Washington, D.C., what goes on in their little political bubble. She would have been thrilled if she could have been invited to Mathis Vineyard and all the rest, like the rest of her ilk. This is not a serious journalist. Here's the question for Corey Bush. Do you understand that your ideology is resulting in the death of scores of individuals? In fact, thousands of individuals? And I'm talking about black-on-black crime. Do you understand that if you do not have police, people get brutalized, they get raped, they get murdered, they get maimed? Do you understand this? That there are evil people? Regardless of race, and that you're doing people no good in the inner city. Do you understand that? That's the question. Here's Bush. Go ahead.
2: They're speaking. I think what we have to look at is the fact that I made it to Congress in in 2020. I was elected to Congress, and we are still fighting this same fight. So
1: what? You were elected in 2020. William Clay Jr., I believe, held your seat before you and his father before him. Both African-Americans. Who cares? You were elected in 2020. Go ahead.
2: Still fighting to save black lives. You're not
1: saving black lives. You're getting black lives. You're killing black lives. Politically speaking, of course. Who do you think suffers in communities when the police aren't there? Who do you think suffers in high crime communities when the police aren't there? There are some evil people among us. I don't care what your race is. Why do you think it is that Barack Obama doesn't build a mansion in the inner cities of St. Louis? And L.A. And Chicago. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Why do you think LeBron James doesn't? Why do you think every broadcaster on ESPN who's African-American doesn't do that? Why do you think that is? There needs to be peace and tranquility brought to these neighborhoods. And not just those neighborhoods, all neighborhoods. But I'm talking about these neighborhoods because Cori Bush claims to represent them. She claims to represent them because she got elected in 2020. She's been in Congress now for eight months. She'll tell you anything and everything you need to know. Go ahead. That work was not
2: done before I got here. This is the reason why I ran, was to save lives, to save my son's life. It was because Michael Brown, who we're fighting for, can still try to get justice for.
1: um, Michael Brown. How many investigations by Democrats, including by African-Americans, took place? Michael Brown was not an innocent man. He was trying to disarm a cop. Go ahead.
2: He didn't get justice, and Von Derrick Myers didn't get justice, and Kajin Powell didn't get justice, and so many others. And
1: neither are all the others who are being slaughtered in the streets as I speak. Do you happen to know their names, Corey? Do you know any of their names? How come you don't mention them? You don't mention them, because you're an idiot That's why. You're a nut. You're a nut job. Go ahead. That is why.
2: And because that was, not, that was not fixed before I got here, to then come at me and say, you're the reason why we have these problems. No, the, the, the reason why we have these problems is because those that were in power and could have fixed this problem before now did Fix it. Fix what and, problem?
1: In the case of Michael Brown? We just had an officer murdered today in Chicago, or last night. And another one who is barely alive. Barely alive. You're seeing more and more video on television of innocent human beings being beaten to a pulp. Where their heads are being smashed in. For the offense of walking down the street. Crime is rampant in this country. It is rampant in America. People are leaving the cities in droves. If they can get the hell out, they are. And she wants to talk about Michael Brown. And she got elected in 2020. Nobody would be fixing the problem and saving lives. But for her. But for her. The dangerous Marxist ideologue. And let me explain something else. If she were in power, it wouldn't like it wouldn't be like there's no enforcement mechanism. The Marxists are very, very good with the iron fist and the police state. Very, very good. No question about it. Go ahead. It costs lives. Cost lives. Cut twenty three, go.
2: I don't believe as far as my as far as my colleagues, you know, I absolutely empathize. I empathize, but you know what? The same thing that the Republicans would do, which is figure out how to work with this on a on a comms basis, that's what we have to do. My job is to save lives, the lives in my community. Because when we're You're doing a
1: lousy job of it, chasing the cops off. Lousy job of it chasing the cops off. Go ahead. Every single year,
2: increasing the budget for police, and then and then and then the apparently
1: it's for- not increased enough. Apparently, you don't have enough police because crime in St. Louis is going through the roof. Go ahead. Health and Human
2: Services continuing to shrink. and Health
1: Louis- and Human Services isn't shrinking, you moron. It's bigger than it's ever been. But when somebody has a gun in their head excuse me, aimed at their head, they can't call Health and Human Services. That has nothing to do with the crime that's taking place in this country. Trillions and trillions of dollars have been spent. Trillions! Some people are just evil, they like to hurt other people. All walks of life, all backgrounds, that's the way it is. And those people who are evil don't deserve our defense. You want to talk about a civil rights movement, that's one thing. You want to talk about inequality, that's one thing. Talk about it, point it out, let's discuss it. But that's not what you're doing. You're letting the thugs and the criminals loose in communities. And the consequences are obvious. Why? Because you paint with a racist brush, that's why. Because you're a part of Black Lives Matter, that's why. White, bad, black, good. No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Ask the mothers and fathers who've seen their kids shot cold dead, six-year-old, in a drive-thru at a McDonald's. Ask them who the enemy is. It's that criminal with a gun. While you're playing politics. While Dana Bash is playing politics. While Corey Bush is playing ideological Marxist politics. People suffer. People suffer. And Cory Bush's answer is defund the police but protect her because she defended Michael Brown because she was part of Black Lives Matter and she's there to fix things. How about all the other people in St. Louis and elsewhere? Don't they deserve our protection? Maybe they're trying to fix things too. Maybe they're good people who want to live good lives, too. Maybe these are people of faith, as so many are. What about the six-year-old girl that was murdered? And so many, two-year-olds. The stories are just overwhelming. They're ubiquitous. This woman is a, and she's not alone. She's going to get a lot more people killed, too, because she's putting pressure on her party locally and nationally to make it impossible for effective steps to be taken for law enforcement to get things back under control. And it's not just the, the attacks on cops. When is George Soros' ass going to be dragged in front of a congressional committee for what he's doing to this country with his money. When are they going to drag his ass in front of some committee and question this SOB? That's right, you schmuck. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. And they never will. Why? Because he's a sugar daddy. That's why he's a sugar daddy to the Democrats. They don't care as long as they win. They don't care about that schmuck in San Francisco. They could care less. That schmuck in Philadelphia and one after another who won't prosecute criminals? How about them, Cory Bush? You got a problem with that? No, she doesn't. None whatsoever. She'll keep bringing up Michael Brown. While one mother loses a son and a daughter, one after another, after another. One father loses a son and a daughter, one after another, after another. And in response, she'll bring up Michael Brown. Awful. I'll be right back.
3: Mark Levin.
1: A conscious Chicago police officer lay dying in the back seat of a squad car. The officer next to her trying to keep her alive with chest compressions. As they raced to a hospital. This 29-year-old young police officer. A dispatcher radioed over and over the intersections that needed to be cleared, as you heard, to speed their way to the University of Chicago Medical Center. Behind them, a police helicopter hovered. Over an intersection in West Inglewood, where the officer and her partner had been badly shot. The scene was growing with flashing lights. The supervisors asked for more and more help with the third suspect, still at large. By the way, two of them were brothers. They caught all of them. For the moment, the dispatcher focused his attention on Officer Ella French in the back seat, screaming. Okay, listen to me. Take that damn vest off right now. Start compressions start breathing whatever we got to do start it now while you're driving the officer in the back with her take the vest off and start compressions now okay compressions. start almost 15 minutes ago the officer responded excellent keep it rolling baby keep it rolling he said police radio calls provide a gripping account of the frantic moments after the officers were shot during a tragic excuse me traffic stop shortly after 9 p.m. Saturday Correcting much of that response was a dispatcher who stayed on the air for more than three hours, sending out ambulances, positioning cars in a wider perimeter to close off the scene, even helping a helicopter pilot spot officers on the ground. The is not being named because the Sun-Times had been unable to contact him. The first indication of trouble was 9.08 p.m. when the dispatcher radioed. All right, guys, who's running out there? Somebody's running. Within seconds, the officer, out of breath, gives his location. Who is this, and and what do you got? Wearing a blue Cubs jersey, the officer yells. A blue Cubs jersey. The dispatcher, still unaware what happened, immediately calls for the radio channels to be cleared while routing police cars to the address. And he calmly uh, calmly yells out the uh, dispatcher, officer down, officer down. Unbelievable. Any other ones hanging by a thread? You know, I explain in my book, American Marxism, in the last chapter, the seventh chapter. We don't have to sit still for Antifa and Black Lives Matter. There are things we can do, and there's things police officers can do. Those of you who have the book, I want you to check out the last chapter, chapter seven, under those headings: law enforcement, and then separately, Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Hello America Mark Levin here our number 877 381 877 381 3811 It's time for police officers to rise up. If teachers and their unions can rise up, why can't police officers and their unions rise up? Of course I don't mean in violence, but I mean in protest. And it looks like it's beginning in Chicagoland. Chicago Sun Time. Chicago cops give cold shoulder to Mayor Lightfoot at hospital after two officers shot. They did this in the NYPD with the Cameo, too, which is good. I'll read you this part of the story. They turned away and gave her their backs. Mayor Lori Lightfoot was given the cold shoulder by CPD rank and file about midnight Saturday the University of Chicago Medical Center when she approached them on the 7th floor as they grappled with the shooting of two fellow officers. Chicago Police Officer Ella French was shot and killed, as you know, during a traffic stop Saturday night in West Englewood while her partner continues to fight for his life. Three people are in custody. You know, as a side point, one of the reasons I decided to live in Virginia, not Maryland, when I came up this way, 22 years old, to serve in the Reagan administration, and I tell you this truthfully, it wasn't just taxes, although that was important. It wasn't just lifestyle, although that was important. It was that Virginia had the death penalty, and they used it. Maryland did not. Virginia no longer has the death penalty. Just one time with the Democrats in control, just shows you their priorities. The death penalty really is a life saving, a life saving process. We'll discuss it another day, but today's not the day. Mary Laurie Lightfoot was given the cold shoulder. Chicago police officer Ella French, as you know, was killed. Just moments before about thirty officers turned their backs on the mayor, Lightfoot tried to talk to the male officer's father. The male officer's father, in other words, the one in severe critical condition who himself is a retired Chicago police officer. He clearly wanted nothing to do with Lightfoot, according to two sources who were there. The father excoriated the mayor and blamed her for what had happened. One source said Lightfoot handled herself well. Obviously, one of the PR flacks for her. As the father yelled at her, she listened and treated him with respect. And then it was suggested Lightfoot say a few words to nearby grieving officers, but as she approached, they all walked away from her to the other side of the bank of chairs, turned their backs on her, sources said. Um, and even her statement was so bizarre. Imante Morgan, 21. And Eric Morgan, 22, these are two of the killers, face a litany of felony charges in the Saturday shooting of the police officers and the murder of uh, Ella French. I, remember, I wonder if Ella French's name will be remembered as well as Michael Brown's name. And the answer is No. Two brothers have been charged in connection with a weekend shooting that killed one Chicago police officer and seriously wounded the other. Yamante Morgan, 21, Eric Morgan, 22, face a litany of felony charges. Yamonte Morgan was charged with first-degree murder of a police officer, two counts of attempted first-degree murder of a peace officer, aggravated unlawful use of a weapon and unlawful use of a weapon by a felon, According to the Cook County State's Attorney's Office, Eric Morgan was charged with aggravated unlawful use of a weapon, unlawful use of a weapon by a felon and obstruction of justice. So they're both uh, felons. Both are due in court Tuesday. Third person had been taken into custody Sunday, but no charges have been filed yet On Monday, federal prosecutors also filed criminal charges against an Indiana man who allegedly acted as the so-called straw purchaser of the handgun used in the shooting. Jamal Danzi, 29, of Hammond, was arrested Sunday as being held in federal custody pending a detention hearing set for Wednesday afternoon. French, 29, and her partner, who were part of a three-officer car assigned to the community safety team, this is community policing. You hear, we need to have community policing. Well, these two officers, one was murdered, one is near death. They were community policing. Were shot during a traffic stop after 9 p.m. French's wounded partner was still in critical condition Monday, but was incrementally improving, said Chicago Police Superintendent David Brown on Monday evening. French and her partner pulled over the car. The brothers were driving Saturday night because it had expired plates. And I'm telling you, I know enough police officers, this is their great fear. When they stop these cars, they have no idea who's in there, if they're going to shoot through the windows, particularly if the windows are tainted. Excuse me, tinted. They pulled over the car. The brothers were driving. French and her partner struggled with Amante Morgan near the trunk of the car and toward the front passenger seat of the car, which is where he was originally seated. But for these type of traffic stops, our cities wouldn't be safe. Officers put themselves in harm's way, stopping suspects like this, so we can all sleep safely in our homes at night, said the uh, police commissioner. As for a motive, we're still working on it. motive? The criminals. He said the police officers in Chicago were feeling discouraged, angry, and alone. And this is all across the country. Black Lives Matter has blood on their hands. The NBA has blood on its hands, as far as I'm concerned, with its conduct. These Democrat mayors have blood on their hands, and the blood is flowing. It's flowing in every direction on every street. And the best this mayor could do is it's time... To stop this imbalance, excuse me, to uh, talk about, you know, sort of can't we get together stuff. Just terrible. My heart goes out to that family, all those families. My heart goes out to all the police in this country. You know, I I want to say this. Bill Haggerty is a senator from Tennessee. I didn't support him in the Republican primary. There's another great candidate running as well. A wonderful surgeon. And I hope one day he makes it to statewide or national office from Tennessee. Manny Seek. But I want to give a salute and a call out to Bill Haggerty of Tennessee. Because he's under attack. Because he has the guts to do the right thing. I want you to listen to this story by the Associated Depressed, and they wonder why America truly hates the media in this country. One by one, Democrats and Republicans trekked to the Senate floor on Sunday, touting a one trillion dollar infrastructure proposal and argued that after months of haggling it was time for a final vote on the massive bill on the measure. Standing in their way, Republican Senator Bill Haggerty of Tennessee standing in their way, ladies and gentlemen. There's not a word here about what's the true cost of this package, about any of the criticism, all the stuff that's been stuffed into this package, the fact that it was still being written, nothing. The freshman senator spent the weekend using a procedural maneuver to essentially grind the chamber to a halt. Now, you see, when the Democrats do this, they're praised. Oh, my God. God, we've never seen anything like it. When a Republican does this, they need to be smeared. So I'm praising Bill Haggerty. A final vote that could have happened on Friday night could now linger into the early hours of Tuesday morning, actually giving their constituents an opportunity to speak. I added that. Forcing lawmakers to give up their second consecutive summer weekend to plod through the minutia of Senate rules. Listen to this. Who's the idiot that wrote this? Brian Sladasco. Brian Slabosco, you jackass. Then they, they bring in this guy who is a, uh, a disheveled, overweight buffoon. There's John Tester from a Democrat, Montana. I think he's doing Trump's bidding. I don't think there's any doubt about it. He's one of the lead negotiators, Montana. I think they want to try to draw this out as long as they possibly can and hope and pray that Congress fails. The Congress fails? How about that the American people succeed, you slob? See a picture of this guy? Oh my God, this guy's like 50 pounds overweight. Now look, I'm not a skinny guy, I get it, but I'm not this guy. He's got like a 1923 haircut. Thinks he's a tough guy. He's a slob. Tester. And Haggerty's telling his reasoning for taking a stand is less to do with Trump. Notice how they throw Trump out there to attack Trump and attack... No facts. No facts. His reasoning for taking a stand is less to do with Trump, more about the measure increasing the federal deficit by a quarter of a trillion dollars over the next decade. And that's according to the Congressional Budget Office. And once... Congress approves this legislation, they say. Democrats are planning to take up an even more ambitious and expensive spending measure on their own. Democrats' true intention is to rush this bill through, Haggerty said Sunday, adding that Democrats want to pass the bill quickly so they can pivot to the separate $3.5 trillion spending plan, which he derided as a socialist debt bomb. Let me just disagree. It's actually $5.5 trillion, many experts are saying. And it's not a socialist debt bomb. It's a Marxist debt bomb. But this senator's... He's good. He's hammering in there. I'm I'm very impressed. Now, the Associated Depressed, being the immediate outlet like the others, for the Democrats, right? the overwhelming majority of Americans, about 8 in 10, favor plans to increase funding for roads, bridges, and ports, and for pipes that supply drinking. Hey, do they support the rest of the stuff in the bill? Do they support the debt? Did you ask them about that? AP, Associated Depressed? Did you tell them about all the stink bombs in the bill, including mileage now? They want to track mileage in order to determine whether they're going to put that in place so you can pay more taxes. I'll bet that's not particularly popular. How about the rest of it, you jerks, you frauds in the media? Tell the American people the truth. But that hasn't stopped Trump from blasting the proposal. So there you go. Nor should it stop Trump from blasting the proposal or New Gingrich on my show Sunday or me or anybody else. Mike Lee, Ted Cruz. This is a disaster. Now they talk about the seventeen Republics who are voting for this. Right? That means thirty-three are voting against it. But they don't count because we gotta highlight the seventeen and praise them all bipartisan like that jackass Cassidy from Louisiana. He's a doctor, don't you know? I suspect he's a proctologist, but I have no way of knowing. Then they go, a private equity investor, Haggerty, had long been enmeshed in Republican politics. He previously served in the administration of George H.W. Bush, went on to work for the failed presidential campaigns of Republicans who later became Trump critics, McCain and Romney to whom he and his wife donated 100000 This is why I was very suspicious of him. He also served as an economic development commissioner under a Republican governor. Like many in the GOP, Haggerty hopped from candidate to candidate in the 2016... What does this have to do with anything? What does this have to... Why don't you tell us about Tester? Why don't you tell us about the bloated blimp Tester? No, not a word about Tester. No. Now they're going to go after Haggerty. And he goes on and on about Haggerty and so forth. Relationship with Trump. What does this have to do with anything? Nothing. This is Brian Sladasko, S-L-O-D-Y-S-K-O. And he's never recovered from this name. Have you noticed, Mr. Mendoza? He's an angry, hateful Puts. That name just... And here's the problem, ladies and gentlemen... It's his initials. BS. Like Brian Stelter, another head case. Over the Associated Depressed. BS. So tell us, BS. We read your piece. There's nothing informational in here. Nothing. Not a word. What do you want to work for the New York Times next? A genocide supporting newspaper corporation? Is that what's next? Keep up the good work, Senator Haggerty. I'll be right back. March- Love in. During the uh, violent riots last summer and this spring, which involved looting, arson, even murder in multiple cities over the course of several months, and where Antifa and BLM had prominent organizational roles. The Democratic Party's leadership mostly regurgitated the rhetoric and claims of the anarchist Marxist groups and rioters, including the broad condemnation of law enforcement as systematically racist. We're not only loath to denounce the violence, but incredibly declared the rioters as mostly peaceful and their demand to defund the police, later changed to slash their budgets, as legitimate. In fact, as you know, a BLM co-founder declared in the summer of 2020 that one of their goals is to get Trump out now. Democratic-controlled cities named streets after the group. Numerous Biden campaign staffers donated to a fund that paid the bail for the release of those who were arrested and jailed. Obviously, the Democratic Party and Biden campaign perceived an overlap or synergy of political interests and objectives with the rioters. The Democratic Party seeks to empower itself by breaching constitutional firewalls, skirting if not eradicating rules, traditions, and customs, adopting Marx's language of class warfare, aligning with certain avowedly Marxist groups and ideological causes, among other things. It is using the instrumentalities of the government for its political empowerment and purposes. The truth is that the interests of the Democratic Party come before those of the country. And allegiance to the party is more important than fidelity to the country. It holds these characteristics in in common with other autocratic and communist parties throughout the world. That is what we're dealing with, as I write in the first chapter of American Marxism. We can help our police officers. We can help them. And I want to talk to you specifically about that out of Chapter 7 of American Marxism. This is a book that covers many topics, but they're all interrelated. First, the enemy. The failure of the federal government to unleash criminal investigations and bring charges against Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and other domestic terrorist groups for the mayhem they have unleashed and the billions of dollars in damage they have caused in American communities is scandalous. And the disparate treatment of individuals by federal law enforcement based on their political beliefs is shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And as I pointed out before, citizens need not wait for government at all levels to act. There are private civil lawsuits that could be filed against these organizations and individual rioters, depending on each state's statutes, that strikes at the finances of these groups and individuals and hopefully help compensate victims for their damages and bankrupt the individuals and groups. And I explain that in the book. But given the music and the break, When I come back, I want to focus more on law enforcement. For those of you following along, it's Chapter 7, page 274. I'll be right back.
0: The new American Revolution starts here. The Mark Levin Show. Call in at 877-381-3811.
1: Accuser says Governor grabbed her butt, reached under her dress. Um, okay, and in the case of Joe Biden, the accuser said he reached under her dress and molested her. Isn't it strange, ladies and gentlemen, how one is treated and the others treated? Isn't it strange how our media protect their favorite political hacks and public figures and yet are prepared to throw others overboard? Why not throw both of them overboard? Because you and I know why. You and I know why. All right, I want to get to the law enforcement issue here. Law enforcement is under attack by Antifa, BLM, other Marxist anarchist groups, and violent criminals. They're under attack by democratic politicians, the media, and so forth. Indeed, since the appearance of BLM and its sympathetic media coverage, a positive view of law enforcement has decreased, particularly among minorities. But although police are now routinely accused in the media of racist targeting of African Americans and other minorities, the evidence simply does not support these charges. In fact, 81% of black Americans want to retain the local police presence in their communities, with many wanting an increased presence. Nonetheless, as a consequence of this war on law enforcement, violent crime across America is surging, particularly in our major cities. And law-abiding citizens are paying a steep personal price. Remember, this was written some time ago. Yet rather than standing up to the mob and their facilitators and appeasers, the war on law enforcement is intensifying. There are so-called reform efforts underway that are actually intended to further denude police officers and police departments of their ability to protect the citizenry, including legal initiatives that would expose officers to personal harm and financial bankruptcy. And among other things, Congressional Democrats and their radical surrogates have been pushing to essentially eliminate qualified immunity and subject officers to endless lawsuits. Lower the bar for criminal prosecutions of officers. Promote local and state investigations of officers. Keep a federal database on all officers. Lower the legal standard for determining the justified use of force from reasonable to necessary. And limit the transfer of military-style equipment to police officers. The result of all this, across the nation, police recruitment and retention have plummeted. The thin blue line is breaking. And the civil society is descending into chaos. Therefore, in addition to supporting police officers and police departments in any way we can, including speaking out for them, they need our support in specific ways as well. I have one suggestion, in addition to many, many that you may have as well. If state law permits, there's no reason why police officers should not bring civil suits against individuals who physically assault them, and even the organizations behind violent riots. That result in them assaulted or injured, and them being assaulted or injured, such as Antifa and Black Lives Matter. There are a number of factors that will have to be considered, including the ability to identify the individuals and the group associations. But officers and their unions should consult with a good lawyer to review the law and the facts. And you, we, you can help by providing financial assistance specifically directed to the legal representation of police officers who bring these lawsuits by contacting your local law enforcement agency, your local police benevolent association, I'm talking about us. The law enforcement legal defense fund and I provide the links. The National Association of Police Organization, links, the Fraternal Order of Police, links, and other such groups, links. In other words, Police and their unions need to become litigious. They need to break the backs of these criminals and these criminal organizations. Nobody's going to do it for them. It's clear that they've been abandoned by the political frauds and phonies who get elected mayor and city council. No question about it. I'd like to mention one other thing here, too two things actually related to american marxism i'm going to get in trouble for saying this but i'm going to say it anyway wait till tomorrow mark it appears that apparently 745,000 copies of american marxism have been sold whether hard copy ebook or audio 745,000 it's a lot the goal is to get to 1 million We do not want this movement to peter out. And I've been encouraging you for the last couple of days now, both on Life, Liberty, and Levin, and here behind the radio microphone, as well as Levin TV, to please provide a copy of this book to an individual you know, whether it's your own son or daughter, your own grandson or granddaughter, or somebody else's who's heading off to college or starting high school, or in high school, or in college. This is your own textbook for the individual you give it to. It's your ability to help protect them. It's your ability to convey this information to them, what they're going to see in the classroom, how to respond to it. I just want it in the hands of many, many college students and high school students as possible. As possible. So they are prepared. I have a story here, if I have time to pull it up. Let's see if uh, everything's working okay here. Yeah, right here. I have a story here. I'm working on it. Give me a second. I first saw this in The Blaze. Here it is. Another great site, by the way, if I say so myself. Princeton offering Black Lives Matter course with readings from avowed Marxists. Like Angela Davis. Princeton. People killed to get into Princeton. And as they say at the College Fix, Princeton University students can learn about the growth of the Black Lives Matter movement while reading from an avowed Marxist. A fall 2021 course called Hashtag Black Lives Matter plans to discuss the important role the social movement has played in fighting against historical oppression of black Americans. Quote, this seminar traces the historical roots and growth of Black Lives Matter social movement in the United States in comparative global context. This is unbelievable. That's the course description. Students will read Freedom is a Constant Struggle by Angela Davis a former Black Panther whose weapons were used in the kidnapping of a federal judge. She was acquitted of a kidnapping charge. She is also the 1979 Lenin Peace Prize winner, granted to her by the communist country of East Germany, which no longer exists, of course. That may be one reason the course will align itself with a group dedicated to ending the nuclear family structure. The formal Black Lives Matter organization was also started by self-described Marxists. The description says the course like the BLM movement is quote committed to resisting unveiling undoing histories of state sanctioned violence against black and brown bodies. The course will also offer quote a critical examination of the prison industrial complex, police brutality, urban poverty, white supremacy in America. Professor Hannah Garth did not respond to two emailed requests from for comment sent in the past 2 weeks. The College Fix asked her for a definition of white supremacy to share what she hoped students would take from the class and a copy of the syllabus. The Fix reached out to Patricia Lieb, a spokesperson for the department, but received an automatic email that said to contact Carol Zanka. Zank, an administrator for the anthropology department, did not return an email request for comment. One book students might read could get Garth's own book about black food. Last October, Garth wrote a book titled Black Food Matters, Racial Justice in the Wake of Food Justice which gives an in-depth account of black food and the challenges it faces today. Ladies and gentlemen, I can go on and on. I'll be right back. Can you imagine 745,000 copies? If we get to a million... I think this movement will last. I really do. And I think we can save the next generation, particularly if we're focused this week and the next two weeks on colleges and universities and high schools. The next generation. And you can make this happen. I've been handing out these books like lollipops. You want to know the truth? Uh, As best as I can, acquire them myself. They don't hand them to me for free. And, um... I'm just extremely hopeful that as many young people as possible. Look, look, most of these colleges and universities are really horrific indoctrination mills. And it's an awful lot of your tax dollars going into it, awful lot of your money if you're a parent paying for tuition, but there's a lot of money coming from government and each of you to subsidize this. It just takes one book. It takes ideas. It takes, it takes counter-arguments. And that's what I'm talking about. Man, oh, Manischewitz. Mr. Producer, do I have time for a caller or two? Let's take, who's the, who is, do we have any irregular Americans? Let's talk to some normal Americans. Go ahead. The great WMAL, Chris Alexandria, Virginia. Go right ahead, please, Chris. Hey, Mark, thank you
0: for taking my call. Wow. It, this is an honor. I tell thank you that. You. Uh, for, uh, I mean, between you and the late rush for 21 years now, I'm a mm-hmm. conservative because of you two.
1: God and, bless you. Uh,
0: so, I, yeah, I really just want to talk about how, you know, I stumbled upon a statistic over the weekend that oh, since 1980, approximately over 320,000 black men have been killed in this country by other black men. And the simple fact that that continues, that happens in these Democrat-run cities where they run and win unopposed, but yet still the uh, people find a way to get tricked into blaming conservatives and Republicans.
1: I I want you to stop a second. You're right, because on average 7,000 are murdered every year, black on black. And you're multiplying that times 40, and your number's right on then you put it that way, it's like, Holy good God. That's that is right. shocking. That's unbelievable. We
0: haven't lost anywhere near that amount of troops in the same period of time. And I'm a Marine veteran myself and I say, Man, wow, we we've been pretty much in continuous military action since Vietnam and we the numbers aren't even close. And I just think that it's a it's a shame that we're supposed to focus more on the few uh, that died at the hands of a, only white police officer. And, uh, and that becomes the sticking point. Well, there's a verse in the Bible that says, before you can remove the speck from your brother's eye, first take the beam out of your own. And I think that the, those numbers are the beam in our eye. And we're focused on the speck. It's a tragic speck. Mm-hmm. But we're losing sight of the beam. Four, fourteen, fifteen, I think it was eighteen last year. Eighteen. You take one and you take two weekends in Chicago and you have more than that. Hmm. And hmm. uh I just think it's a shame that we end up blaming the police and uh for when there's clearly another issue going on there that doesn't have anything to do with law enforcement.
1: You're a brilliant fellow. Do you say you served in the Marines? Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, I want to thank you for your service. I want to thank you for your wisdom. And don't hang up, please, Chris. We want to send you a copy signed of American Marxism. I wish you. I wish I had gotten to you earlier. You're absolutely terrific. Call us again, please, Chris. And I want to salute all you folks out there. Thank you for everything you're doing for this country. And I mean it. If you can remember, slip over to Amazon.com. Get your kid or some kid a copy of American Marxism.